Henry Belcaster is a young entrepreneur based out in Chicago. Henry and his business partner Dylan run Smart Nonsense Media. They found great success making clips of the podcast being made by millionaires and billionaires in Silicon Valley. Most of note being My First Million by Sean Puri and Sam Parr. In this episode, we talk about how Henry got started on his entrepreneurial journey, as well as some of the struggles he's faced running other startups. Yeah, I don't know. There's this crazy thing about the internet where people come out of the woodwork, I come out of the woodwork, and then you meet and it's like this real life thing. And it, I think it's awesome. Yeah, no, it's really strange because for me, obviously, I'm 27 now. So for me, my whole adult life, the internet has been kind of okay, but not completely shit. But then as a kid, I made friends online that I met in person as well. So it's kind of like, you, you kind of exist in this world where your parents are like, don't meet strangers, don't talk to strangers. But it's like, hey, but I'm on there. I'm not a creep. There's other people out there that aren't creeps. So yeah, we live in a, a strange reality right now. It's weird now how I think like, I don't know, people have figured out ways to trust and verify others identities on the internet like oh, that's for instance like you trusted mine you reach out to me you're like oh this might be a legit person my mom doesn't understand why i would put myself on the on the internet like that why i would why i would be so transparent um with my life and all the and it's really not that much uh, about my life but she just doesn't understand what there is to gain from from going out on a limb like that and the kind of leverage that that can come back to you or conversations like this, the fact that you found me because of something like that. Yeah. I think it's I mean, really powerful. I, I found you through that whole my first million thing you did where they were they were talking about you on there and I was like, well, who is this guy, the, the Zoom setup guy? And I was thinking there must be a different story behind this person. I do not do Zoom setups for a living. That was just a means to seize an opportunity. And uh, I was like, you know, I've, I've built the skill set. I've done it for myself. I really like Sean Puri and, and Sam Parr. So what what do I have to do to get in front of their face and and show them that I I could be you know a important partner in in their lives? So that's why I ran out and and filmed that. Sean called me and and my buddy Dylan, who's who's working with me. He called us up like a, a few days after that, just to 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 like this, make sure we were legitimate people and and <laughs> see what we were up to and and yeah. why we do what we do. He wanted to reassure us that like this crazy chance we're taking. This, this this thing we're doing, this entrepreneurial journey we're on is a completely uh, viable career option. And there weren't a lot of people in his life when, when he was our age that told him like, go for it, do it, open that sushi restaurant, which was his first. Um, so he wanted to just fill us in and, and be like, you know what, I'm going to take you under my wing. And um, I will be that kind of voice of reason that says what you're doing is, is good and right when your parents might not say otherwise. And uh, I want to help you out down the road. So it's been crazy to be plugged in with these guys. I had the complete opposite. My parents are like, yo, you can do this. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know how your parents support you in in doing good things? But my parents are like, yeah, start your own business. Do what you want to do. Like, fuck working for someone else. I've done it for like 40 years. I hate it. Dude. <laughs> like, I hate it. Don't do it. Similarly, you know, I, I my mom is a physician. My dad's a lawyer, but but entrepreneurial in a lot of ways. But, but I think he's always pushed me to kind of uh, be this entrepreneurial being so that he could live vicariously through me. Um, I mean, one thing that, that they had that I don't have is student loans, especially here in the States. So your dad's kind of pushed you into entrepreneurship. 
And that that's kind of where you got into doing, well, from I've been watching your channel like religiously ever since I contacted you and ever since I found out who you are. And it's like, as much as I've got through most of it, I feel like I'm still piecing together the story. The story still needs to be told. So it's like, you sell stuff on Craigslist. Sam, I'm still piecing it together. <laughs> I'm still piecing it. I jumped off a mountain, you know, I'm building the airplane as I'm trying to fly. I don't know what I'm doing. But you, you sell stuff on Craigslist. Obviously the YouTube thing, you've now officially stated last week, you're a YouTuber. You've got your QR code. I'm a YouTuber. What else did you, <laughs> you said wedding photography, you do shoots, like you build shit. Yeah, I used to teach piano. Um, this is all, this is all, I build shit. <laughs> it's all in a means to not have to go work for somebody else from nine to five. Whatever I can scrape together in a day, in a week, in a year, um, just to support myself and, and all my curiosities. That's all it is. Um, I realized too, first of all, I, I just love learning. I love building new skills. So that's where, that's where a lot of it comes from. But I realized too, what I think really morphed me into what I am is I saw on Twitter a couple of days ago, something about um, Socratic, whatever, thinking, questioning. And I realized what, what got me from that childhood with the doctor, lawyer, mom and dad to where I'm at now is the fact that my dad indulged in, in my questioning as a child. Everything I asked was this Socratic why, but why, but why, but why? And the difference was he, he really led me and kind of held my hand and walked me through that, that reasoning. And the difference was my mom was like, well, because I said so. Uh, or because that's the way it is. And that's a completely different, you know, uh, style of thinking that I think harm might, may be harmful to, to a young entrepreneur. Um, so I have a lot, a lot of, of my dad to thank. What you're doing now, as much as it's like, most people be like, oh man, I haven't got like a million subs yet. It's like, you're like, forget all that, man. Sam, God, God forbid, God forbid you're happy, right? Right? Like the money, the fame, what... Just maybe you're just happy, you know, that's what it comes down to. That's something you have to note. And I've realized as I've started creating a lot, um, look at the Casey Neistat's, uh, Peter McKinnon's, uh, whoever, those are some of the people I, I admire the most. Um, they're playing caricatures of themselves, you know, like when, when the camera's on, I'm, and even right now, like I'm more energetic than, than probably I am just walking around. It's, it's plus, you know, 10% of my energy. I've had a full-time editor come on to help me and I can't even take credit for his storytelling. I think what's amazing is he and I are on the same wavelength. So what I shoot for, he sees. There are some things that are more highly produced. Like a, we did kind of a, a trailer video, like a more serious cinematic video. But I, the place I'm at right now is I film for and it probably looks like all day long, but I film for maybe 20 minutes a day. And then Ken, my editor, just whips it into the most incredible story. And then I go watch it like five times because I'm like, that looks 10 times better than what I did in the day. He's just a magician. But you've been making content for a long time. I see your your channel goes all the way back to like eight years ago where you're doing stuff at like college and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've always been into it. Um, again, like who wasn't watching Casey Neistat in his heyday, like daily vlogging that was just the coolest shit on the internet. Um, so I was into that. And then at this point, again, it's like, I'm doing all these crazy things. Maybe someone can benefit from seeing that you don't have to go 
to Wall Street, or you don't, in a lot of cases, have to go get a higher education. You certainly don't have to go to grad school for a lot of things. If I can like show right now, you know, 500 people on my channel that you don't have to do that, power to them, power to me, you know? I think as well, people think to be independent in this day and age, you have to have that big number for the 10K plus followers. It's like, mate, I can, in my local area, I can figure out what people need and what I can do for them and make a living that way. I realized, Sam, that like, this was now maybe a month ago when I decided to daily vlog, you know, five, almost 600 subscribers. That's a lot of people waiting on you. That's like, you know, a block party or a whole like, decent gymnasium full of people, a recital hall full of people waiting around for me to say something cool, you know, um, it, it's amazing. So I think we can do probably a better job of like glorifying just the people that are out there day in and day out, like create like you, uh, five, 10 years ago, whatever. The fact that there's some small group of people listening and, and excited to see you publish. Like that's, that's way cool. It's just, you're building momentum. It's like you said, you jumped off the, the mountain, you're building the airplane on the way down. And it's, it's the courage that that takes. Some people are like, okay, let me buy the airplane. Okay. Now I've bought the air. Let me get the lessons. <laughs> oh man. And they still crash. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I am, I've worked with a number of people like that. A lot of things have gone down this past week oh, because man. of that. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm just gonna keep I'm just gonna keep creating. I don't you know, I don't care if, if anybody watches, if nobody watches, they they're out there. The fact that we're here talking because of my videos is amazing. Uh people ask me questions, I can just route them to a video I've already made. That's amazing. I love it. I think YouTube's the best thing in the world. In the back of my head, I'm like all these platforms that I love and that I use on a daily basis. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about Instagram and Twitter. I'm talking about things like YouTube or like podcasting in general, right? What happens if ten years from now they don't exist? And I was like, I don't think they can go away. I don't think YouTube could ever go away, at least not in our lifetime, because it's so integral to our daily lives and routines. Yeah, I hope not. I hope it only gets stronger and stronger and better for creators. Um. The worry is their algorithms are always changing, right? That's why people are like, the the best place to hold an audience is an email or even now maybe text message with like community. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's as far as I know, like YouTube's been pretty much the same, if not similar for the last 10 years. Um, monetization's changed a bit, but I think it's starting to get better. So it rewards patience above all, like no matter what what size fan base you have, um, I've, I've started to notice too, like if you look at kind of all these famous creators that we look up to, the anomaly is those that get a million subscribers in one year. For the most part, they're dabbling and trying things and they're around for three years, five years, seven years before one video goes viral. And then that one video is what gives them the, the, the viewer base. So above all, it's just patience. Like I'm not going anywhere. And, uh, a, a lot of people get impatient quickly. Are you trying to plan for virality? Because I feel like if you're a My First Million listener, you're learning all these hacks and types of things that you could potentially do to, to quote unquote blow up. I try and remain true to myself uh, with using some of those tactics, right? Like, I think we know for a fact, like clickbait's a good thing if you can deliver on it, right? Like that's going to get more people watching your video. If it's just slander, like just false things, then okay, it's not going to work in the long run. Um, we do know things like having your mouth open in a thumbnail, uh, increases click through rates because people 
I guess psychologically are trying to figure out what you're going to say or what you're doing. I, I, again, I think if I went harder on that stuff, I wouldn't have 500 some odd subscribers, right? So I just, I, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. And if something comes from my YouTube channel, great. If a couple hundred people can learn from a mistake I've made, great. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm probably not going to start doing prank videos or, you know, getting on the intercom at, at Walmart. So where does your content come from? Does it come from just your, so like the van thing that you're doing right now where you bought this van is, have you always wanted to live in a van or you just, just like, your parents are like, Henry man, it's time to get out of here. <laughs> like, I think my, I think my girlfriend talked me into it. Um, that is like a trend that, that was hot. We're kind of on the tail end of it. I think yeah. van life had its bubble, especially you can always research pandemic. though. Van um, life will always come back. Van life that's is true. forever. That's true. To me, it was more like, okay, um, it'd be a great way to start living with my girlfriend. We can do all the travel we want to do for a year or two. But on top of that, as kind of the builder, tinkerer, engineer, whatever, I can also learn a bunch of stuff that I haven't had the ability to do. So, you know, I've done a couple construction projects at this point. Most of my studio built out a couple things at my parents' house, but I haven't done plumbing. I haven't done electrical. I haven't done heat and AC, uh, stuff like that. So that to me was like, let's kill four birds with, with one stone here. Um, we'll travel for the year. We won't have any rent payments, which is great as an entrepreneur. You see me scavenging for money. Um, it, it'll be this kind of flexible place we can live and work. And then on top of that, I can learn a bunch of lessons uh, about yeah. my craft, in, in especially heating and electric and plumbing. So that was, that was my main motivation. At the time of this recording, Henry was running a startup named Dunbar, a social-based app offering discounts to groups of friends for going to venues. Unfortunately, this venture didn't work out. Dunbar died... Uh, so this this gets back to that point I, I I said maybe 10 minutes ago now where I found myself bringing people on to Dunbar who, instead of jumping off the cliff and building their airplane as they go along, which I think everyone should do because we don't know, we don't know anything. We don't know any answers. We don't know. We can't predict the future. Um, I was working with a lot of people who were plotting their kind of path um, and plotting their plotting Dunbar's path as a consequence. And that got really tiring after a while. Um, in terms of Dunbar being dead as of Friday, uh, I say that with a laugh, but it, it's been stressful in the sense that all this My First Million stuff has really taken off. And my buddy Dylan is is kind of who's in charge with the systems behind My First Million to edit all their content. Basically, I have the skill set and the ability to get their attention. I'm loud. I make videos. I've got the shop. I've got proof of work here. Um, so I got their attention. Dylan was the sleeper cell who could actually build out the system to edit all of their content every week. So that's what started happening. And then it wasn't just my first million that, that wanted all of his editing. It was a number of podcasts, a number of creators, people like yourself, um, bigger corporations, like so many people want this. And I've never seen demand or product market fit like this before. And basically Dylan needs to scale the thing as fast as he possibly can and he needed some help with operations. So that's what I'm doing now. Um, I joke about Dunbar being dead. It's more more likely on a hiatus for six or nine months while, while we run with this. Well, it's like what you were saying about how 
if you have an idea or if you have a, a drive for something, then it, it can fulfill you. Dylan and I are are fighting so much of that inertia mm. right now because all of our peers are are on that treadmill. They're on that track. They're going to Wall Street. They're doing the thing. They're upgrading their yeah. lifestyles. I've been living on the floor for six months. Dylan's been building this out for a year. Um, it's really interesting to see right now. There's this kind of cognitive dissonance going on where it was easy to shit on Dylan and I for a <laughs> <Yeah>. while. <laughs> oh, look at what they're doing. This is terrible. Now it's like, now, yeah, now who's laughing kind of thing. And uh, it's weird to see people kind of crawl back and ask for favors or like ask. We're just like, eh, whatever. We we know we know who was uh, true to us for, for the last year or two. When you go on these journeys for yourself, you start to understand who's really, not, not even who's really your friend, but it's like who really can see the potential in yourself that you have seen? It's just long-term patience, you know? I, oh, here's a good one. Here is a good one. When we went out to Sean's house to set up his set. That was a long flight. As it just a, You just booked it because from what I saw online, you were just like, fuck it, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm on my way. <laughs> when there's an opportunity, you strike. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. You know, they don't, they don't come yeah. up that much. So most of, most of the time, Dylan and I are just lounging around, preparing, preparing, preparing. Then there's an opportunity and you go. Um, but, but what Sean told us, to bring it back to the, our kind of peers and entering the field and, and my girlfriend and whatnot, what he told us is, Guys, the fact of the matter is you're, the goal is to take score at 30, at 30 years old, not 23 and a half. Mm -hmm. Why are we sitting around like trying to see who's making the most now, who's made it now, a year out of university, two years out of university? The goal is we're going to take score in 10 years, um, not right now. Let's delay all that gratification. Let's build skills and learn and be curious and optimize for people because all those things compound. And then at 30, 32, 35, let's take score again and, and, and see who's better off. Um, so that was Sean's big thing that really rocked my world is like, there's no rush. There's no rush. Just keep doing you keep learning, keep reading, keep building skills. Um, and in 10 years, let's, let's see how that all compounded. Do you know the average age of a founder? It might even be a tech founder, but I'm not sure. So let's just say founder. 20, 27, 27 or 26, I believe. 42. So I heard that. I heard that. I was wrapping up Dunbar, uh, headed into work with Dylan. And I'm like, there's just so much time. There's so much time. And shame on the people in their 50s who are wrapping it up. They've got another 20 years. That's That's a battle I'm having with my parents right now. My dad keeps telling me he's an old man. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're 56. You can change jobs next year. Do something else for 10 years. It's the sunset thing, isn't it? It's of the, you know, they feel like they've been through the peak of their life and everything's slowing down. It's like, it only slows down when you say it has to slow down. It's also like, they're just tired. You know, humans aren't meant to work nine to five. I don't know who decided that. I guess industrial revolution people decided that. But like, my parents have been working nine to five or more for 30 years. That would do something yeah. to you. And okay, like I, maybe I work 14, 16 hours a day, whatever. But to me, it's what I want to do, where I want to do it, when I want to do it. Completely different in terms of how it, it expels energy. I would just rather for now, for a while, for as long as I can, optimize for friends, family, learning. I don't want to be at a point where I can't get three days away from work 
or five days to go visit someone or whatever. That's the stuff that, that, that keeps me energized. That's the stuff that makes me happy. Um, so I stay as far away from that as possible. You've also got that, that freedom and, and that kind of knowledge over time, but you, from, you know, stalking your channel and, and watching a lot of it, you've read a lot of self-help books. That's thanks to my friend, Dylan. Going back to, to university, Dylan, he, he read Tim Ferriss's four hour work week pretty early. And I remember seeing that on bookshelves when I was probably in sixth, seventh grade as like this little entrepreneur, I was selling uh, iPods and stuff and like gum at, at school, whatever. I was like, screw the four hour work week. Let's get rich quick scheme. Like nobody can do that. Come on, work four hours a week and hang out in Hawaii. Give me a break. But Dylan picked it up around like 18 or 19 years old and all through university, he was just asking those whys. Like, why why do we drive a friend to the airport? Uh, if if we're thinking of things like in the in the, we go back and forth on this a lot, but if we think about things as like opportunity costs, right? Like, well, okay, I think me and the friend could be better off if we just called you an Uber because then our time is whatever. And it was it was just a lot of stuff I wrote off. It's like Dylan, like, come on, give me a break. You can't apply all of that nuance to like all of life. And then finally, I you know gave myself some time, elected to take the year off after after college. And I finally read it and I was like, whoa, this, this is not about working four hours a week. This is about making four hours act like 40. This is about 10Xing everything you do. Um, and that was the first time I heard like, wait a minute, emails aren't urgent. You don't have to respond to an email right away. So then I read all of them. And I, what I found is just about all of those books they're radically open-minded in the sense that they they challenge all of these kind of um, they just challenge all these assumptions we have all those things to to bring this full circle that my mom said it is that way because it is or because I said so or because your teacher said so these books challenge all of those things and I didn't realize I was like so cooped up in my head um, that there's this whole kind of uh, you know melange of of uh, ways to think about the world and then I just dove in I was like I'm take this time and, and make 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 myself my best self so the four-hour work week kind of taught you about like look if i do intense work now that could flesh out 40 hours worth of of effort so do you feel like you're using these techniques to this day like how, how would you give a prime example of that that you're kind of doing more in less time type things totally Let, let's go back to what what you were just saying because I, I wish i could have interjected um it's like being a creator in the morning and a manager in the afternoon. You know, I'm not, other than this, because I think this is fun, I'm not taking phone calls, doing Slack messaging, answering emails in the morning. That stuff's exhausting, and it doesn't take a whole lot of energy. When I show up here, like, the phone's away, and for four hours, I'm working on something big, or creating something, or filming something, or working on the van. Uh, actually, no, I, I generally work on the van in the afternoon, because it's pretty low uh, brain capacity. Um, but, but, people, and I, I don't mean to point fingers, but if you show up to work and all day long, you're just kind of doing that shallow work, you're answering emails, which by the way, emails are just other things people want from you and none of them are related. So it's just picking and pulling you apart all day long. Um, so if you show up and you're just answering emails all day long and you're on Slack all day long, when 5 p.m. rolls around, like what have you really done? What what kind of deep thinking and like creative work or... Um, I don't know, whatever you do, like what what have you really done? So that, that's one of my big ones is like, you can't reach me in the mornings. 
um, all those little things, phone calls, customer service, like the crap you just have to do, I do for two hours in the afternoon when I'm tired. That's that's like the biggest hack. Because realistically, if you counted up all the time that you would spend ten minutes here, five minutes there, ten minutes here, if you just go look two hours in the afternoon, that's the same amount of time, but it's batching. Exa- oh, see, you said it for me. You're one step ahead of me. So for you, <laughs> when you're doing this whole like this this um this batching thing, right? Do you wake up? Do you do the whole five a.m. club shit? Like, what what do you do? what is the the morning routine like for you what do you do do you you wake up and have a bagel and an ice I don't know if you watch Graham Stephan and all them type of people as well (laughs) oh yeah 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 I I drink I drink the same coffee Graham Stephan does uh, 20 cent coffee or whatever um people fetishize like lack of sleep fuck that don't do that you know get your sleep I get eight hours a night um I prioritize that I think that should be prioritized over everything um, but no, I wake up at a pretty normal time, maybe like seven. And then what I do in light of like, you can't reach me. That's my time. I read for like an hour with my coffee and that it's just the most brilliant way to start the day. And then I go for like an hour walk, free up the mind, get the juices flowing, listen to some podcasts, start thinking. And then I get on with the day. I think a lot of people probably wake up and go right on their phone or start answering emails, or wake up 30 minutes before work and rush in. It's like, you got to take some time for yourself. Think, like, clear your mind, uh, walk to work if you can. People wouldn't deem it work, but that informs all of your decision-making for the rest of the day. It gives you all of your energy. If I don't read and have my cup of coffee in the morning, I'm freaking out. Um, It's like this calming... You feel like you're chasing the day. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, by that logic, right, I work 20 hours a day. But I would only really classify four or five of them as as deep, deep work, and that's all you have to do. If you if you do one thing a day, that's another book. Uh, one the one thing maybe. Well, you have one task, one big goal for the day type thing. Yeah, if you can do one of those a day for seven days, you're going to be way better off than the person who's got a list of fifteen things to do a day and gets like maybe three of them a week because they're kind of confused. So just for four hours, do one thing you have to do that day. Might not feel like the biggest victory, but tomorrow you're going to work on the next thing. And again, these things compound. What's your one big thing for today? One big thing for today. Oh, you've got a book. Let's see. He's a paper man. That's okay. That's <laughs> another thing, Sam, is like you as a creative, like you probably have all these thoughts all day long. Uh, if I didn't write them down, I would go mad, just like missing stuff and uh, forgetting ideas. So all day long, I'm, I'm just writing crap down. Um, Today's pretty chill. I do need to get uh, this doc together for Smart Nonsense Media now, uh, Dylan's company. We're, we're talking as a company about anti-goals. Basically, what do you hate about the workplace? As a company, anti-goals, they play on this mental model of inversion, which is like, it's very difficult to talk about and figure out the things you like because you like them, they just happen, they're hard to remember. Now we can invert that and say, what's the worst thing about the workplace? What do yeah. you hate? That's way easier to label. So that's what we're working on as a company is taking everyone's hates of the workplace and then making sure we we don't do them. Yeah. And then I'm going to put a fan on the roof of the van in this af- oh, the afternoon. Nice. I'm sure there's a video for that coming. Like, yeah. Are you, are you going to be cutting there a hole be, in it? I think. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Unless I don't have enough energy, then I just don't film. <laughs> the problem with recording that stuff is these things are hard enough. They take long enough. Like you go out and do manual labor in the yard. Like it sucks. We know that 
to record it takes like four times as long. So, and then I've got to turn to the camera, narrate a bit, act excited. Um, so it's definitely tiring. If I'm not doing this thing for myself, especially on the weekend, because I'm like, oh, I need to film. Oh, I need to film. If I'm not doing it for myself, the camera's not coming out. Well, I think we kind of spoke about where did that studio design come from? Casey Neistat, Adam Savage. So It could easily you know, be seen that you've got that whole wall of just like all that stuff just yeah. out, ready to go. That's Adam Savage. He 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 talks about this um, first order retrievability for every tool in his shop. Like whatever he needs, it should be a first order. Oh, I need a tweezers. I know exactly where it is. Oh, I need a, a camera cable. I know exactly where it is. You know, there's no rummaging around. Adam Savage is the Mythbusters guy, right? Yeah, yeah. He's got an awesome maker YouTube tinkering, just building stuff in his shop. This last year's been tough. He's been filming with his iPhone. But the production value before the pandemic was, it was exceptional because he he's got a small crew in there right. with him. He's got the money. He's got, um, you know what I mean? He's, he's one of the yeah. first, what I would say, people to make like content that he just wanted to make with Mythbusters and the other guy. Yeah. I forgot the guy with the beret. I forgot his name. Jamie yeah. Heineman. I feel like he was, he was your Dylan. Like, do you know what I mean? To, to Adam Savage. Totally. <laughs> totally. Right. Adam Savage is kind of the face, the loud yeah. guy, um, the outward facing Dylan's super introverted mm. and he would much rather be building the beast um, underground. Um, and then I just goof off and talk. Where about did you it. find Dylan out of curiosity? We met the first day of college. Wow. First, first day. Actually, even before that, it was kind of the weekend where prospective students were allowed to go visit. Um, and I, I met him. All my friends, it's funny, we joke and he'll probably listen to this, but he's the glue that holds all of our friends together. He, he, got us in touch with one another but he himself isn't really f that close of friends like with any of us because he would just mu much rather be on yeah. his own alone doing his yeah. own thing um so it's really funny he got us all here and then he just kind of took a step back and let us do our thing but well, he was building the beast that's what he was doing he was like i think these people are going to do something just throw them together and just stay in the mix there you go <laughs> yeah no 100 percent. he he built he built these friendships he's built the system um He's changed a lot of the ways I, th I think about the world. He's just not scared to be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Why? Why Why do people do that? Why do you do that? Why Why do you care about that? And it, you, I think you need someone like that around. Even even with Dunbar, right? Something I'm super, was super stoked to build. He's like, but why would you do this, this, and this? He's like, social is hard. Managing a lot of people is hard. This is hard, right? Um, I'm like, yeah, I mean, you're right. I think he and I are different. He's like a very traditional entrepreneur businessman in that sense. And I'm like the social entrepreneur that wants to change the fabric of the world. Um, but there's a lot of merit to kind of the, the simple mental models. He just really uh, hounds me on. It's great. Yeah. I, I feel like as well, a lot of people now will be like trying to push, like push people into building tech-based companies or SaaS-based companies. I'm like, there's still room for media. Like there's still plenty room for media. There's still room for landscaping. There's still room for dry cleaners. You know, that exactly. stuff works. I don't know if you've seen that guy, the sweaty startup guy who loves buying. Totally, yeah. buying lots of, yeah, yeah. lots of storage places. I'm like, listen, every business is a thing. I, I, I said to my mom the other day, I was like, I was thinking about starting like a little construction company. It's like, what, like buildings? I was like, nah, I want to just make concrete. I just, just want to make concrete or something. <laughs> just one thing, get wood, something like that. And she's like, why? I'm like, don't know. I see other people do something to I see do. other people doing it. It's, I want to do it. I mean, that, that what it ends up coming down to is there's a lot of opportunities. There are a lot of um, things to be built in this world. 
you just got to run with the one that that you're super passionate and stoked about to build every single day. Focus in the thing you're really, really good and passionate about that can or will make you rich. But it's like, if you do a bit of this and do a bit of that, do a bit of this, you're just going to be never, you know, it's that whole jack of all trades, master of none type thing. You know, there's a second half to that. But better not a master. Something like it's like it's pretty okay to be. Yeah, you know I mean it's okay to be. It's just a it's just a confirmation bias for me. Yeah. Uh, jack of all trades, master of none, though often better than a master Drew of one. One. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just for all the people that got hurt by jack of all trades, master of none. It just shows you how things get clipped and edited. It's like because where you you know you said Dunbar's done. It's like yeah, but dead not done oh, dead but you can revive it we can frankenstein that thing back i'm kidding but you know what i mean where you said it's, it's it's died and whatever you've learned so much along the way about yourself about working with people that it didn't actually it didn't take as much from you as you think now not to mention there there are all those concrete things i did learn i also learned there are even more things i haven't learned one being watching dylan's like i'm terrible at hiring i just hired you like 25 <laughs> minutes ago <laughs> I'm sure you'd be great, but that's how I got into a lot of trouble. So I was like, there are a lot of things I still got to learn that, that Dylan's got under wraps. So let me let me go work with him for a bit and, and figure that stuff out. So many lessons. I'm not, you know, I don't regret a thing. I'm not sad about it at all. Um, there's just, it's it was just another six months of, of building skills. Yeah. It's great. I feel like as well, you've got to take time in finding your, because essentially you, you and Dylan are co-founders, right? He's super logical. You, you definitely need that. I mean, you need a healthy healthy dose, dose yeah. of both. You need to do the big stuff, think big, have crazy ambitions and go for them, execute. Um, but you, it is also good to have devil's advocate like Dylan who says, dude, you, you're wasting time. Like focus on, focus on this, not these six things, but this one thing. With the whole smart nonsense thing, which I originally thought was a podcast, but it's a business. So it was a podcast turned into a business. That's good. That's good. So it's like, yeah. What what is it? It's a media company with like an editing arm and all this kind of stuff and kind of explain it to me a little bit. Yeah, so okay, let me let me briefly take you back. Dylan quit his job last year. He calls me up. He's like, "Dude, actually, he calls me up because another friend didn't answer." And he says, "Dude, let's start a podcast." I was like, "Great, let's record the first episode in 30 minutes." We did it. Um, and it was smart nonsense. It was this idea of it plays into who we are, right? Like uh, really goofy, silly guys, but we spend a lot of time learning and like figuring out really complex yeah. things. So how can we distill those in a, in a nonsensical way? Dylan's super lazy, incredibly lazy. One of the most lazy people I've met. Smart lazy though. So he's going to take that lazy energy and instead of just sitting in bed all day, he's going to figure out how to build the systems to get him the most bang for his buck. It's four hour work week stuff. So when we were recording our podcast, and, you know, we edited the first few episodes. He's like, ah, that took so much energy and it's not scalable. So maybe I can find an editor to edit the audio. And, oh, let's 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 make it a video podcast because that's that's where the world's headed. Let me find a video editor. So he does that. He gets a couple editors. One of them's now mine. And basically, right before our eyes, we're both on unemployment. He creates this video editing system where we record the podcast upload all the content to Google Drive, the next morning we have it all edited. It's in just a stellar way. So he builds this thing for himself, for our podcast, Smart Nonsense. And then, you know, fast forward nine months, um, Sam and Sean are effectively looking for the same yeah, thing. the one button I'm thing. I'm like, <laughs> the one button yeah. thing. Exactly. 
flip a switch and then upload the stuff and forget about it. Um, so we're like, all right, let's apply it. And then that's when the podcast kind of got put on hold to cater to Smart Nonsense Media, which is now this this like automated video editing. Um, and so that's what we do now. And And what he wants to do and what we want to do is just be the absolute best at creating these like minute and a half insanely animated Twitter clips that that you may uh, see being shared around Twitter. Because basically D- Dylan has one of our one of our editors um just one day we gave him an MFM episode and the next day he turned up with this completely new uh template new new style of showcasing what they were talking about. We were mind blown. We're like where did this come from? What's so interesting is uh, Sam keeps telling us, he's like, I've never seen this, Sam Parr, I've never seen this before. And we feel like, oh, this might, <laughs> it's for years and years and years, right? Dylan and I have been following trends or seeing like a Casey vlog and starting to vlog like Casey or whatever. And for the first time ever, we're like, did we just invent something? Are we are we on the cutting edge of this trend that might become so big that people start copying it? That's so exciting. But when you are the person that people copy, you realistically can then charge more of a premium for what you do because it's like, yeah, those guys are imitating us. We, we've we got the idea machine back here. Do you know what I mean? We're the people that you want to come to because you guys, will, you, you'll do this thing, but then you might move on to the next thing. And it's like, people want to be on that train rather than on the copy train. Well, nobody, I, I can not foresee anybody ever being able to touch kind of the the just content machine Dylan has made and the quick turnarounds. It's like we get something from MFM uh, within a day and a half. They've got all these repurposed clips, full episode. I mean, it's unbelievable. I don't think you can kind of one off that system. It would would just not work the same way, especially because like you said, when you've got Dylan planning things and and making things how Mm -hmm. they are, the machine is what the machine is and the machine will do what it does. And it's like, Right. Realistically, all you would, what you would hope would happen is people that want that type of content, they come to you and you'd be like, yep, this is the price. They'd be like, oh, that's too much. Like, well, fuck off then. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's exactly, that's it. So, so I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to help out everyone. I want to do a little bit of everything. Dylan's like, this is what we charge. If they can swing it, great. Let's talk. If not, we move on. We're just going to focus on the top 1%, the top 10% of, of people that want this. Um, and he's so good at hiring. Right. So now he's hiring for, for people to for, for our, our team to be hyper specialized. Somebody's doing um, just thumbnails and graphic design. Somebody is just cutting assets so that the main editor can um, focus on animating the thing and all the assets are in their back pocket ready for them. Um, it's, it's pretty astounding to, to watch him get to work all because he's lazy. It's all because he's lazy, but he's smart about it. That's the best way, though. I feel like most of the, the richest people I've met and spoken to, they're like, I hate working, but like, I I feel like I have to do it. But if I can do a little bit that does a lot, do you know what I mean? That's great. And what totally. you guys are getting to is you're in the next two, three years, you'll be in a, a, a point where you're not like in the trenches editing so much or in the trenches doing whatever you're doing. You're just going like, yes, no, no, yes. That's it. Over time, what exactly. you'll learn is like the speed of being able to make these these quick snap decisions because that's what a lot of millionaires I've spoken to say. It's like, yeah, I just make decisions quickly. Yeah, what is it? Uh, I think Warren Buffett, or maybe it was Tim Ferriss. They're like, I want to make the one decision that renders the other thousand decisions uh, either unnecessary or obsolete, you know? 
Yeah. You want to just be dealing with that the big level stuff. Yeah, exactly. And just be okay with all the crappy stuff, all the sma- small. Tim Ferriss says, you have to be okay with small bad things happening all the time, right? So the 999 stupid small things that take up all your time and energy, forget about them. Focus on that one decision that, uh, you know, multiplies and multiplies and multiplies everything else. Henry, you learn by doing, and you've clearly been learning by doing for a long period of time. You know, you're a musician, you're a self-proclaimed carpenter, van rebuilder, all these types of things. What is your kind of like, personal ethos like who is who is henry belcaster and why does he learn by doing wow sam wow (laughs) let me let me start that off by saying i have never learned something by not doing never have i learned something by not doing maybe i've learned the, the the semantics of an idea or whatever but um I have not actually concretely learned that thing in my head. Even when Dylan and I talk on the podcast, it's like we read a lot, we listen to a lot of podcasts, but until we do, until we sit down on that podcast and talk about it and reason through our thoughts, it's not until then that, that we've actually learned something or figured out how to put two and two together. But but in terms of my ethos, I don't want to be insensitive here. I don't know if it's insensitive. Say it how it is. I'm thinking, I know, I just, I just wish that people would do what they say they're going to do. That's really all it is. You know, I say I'm going to build this music box, this rocket ship that I'm sitting in right now. I do it. You know, I say to Sam and, and Sean, like, look, we can, we can deliver on this thing that I've never done. I've never built a podcast. Oh, I have built one. Um, right. But I don't do it for work. I don't intend to make it my, my line of business. But if I say I do it, I'm going to figure out a way to do it. And that's all it is, is uh, chase what excites you. Chase that thing that you're actually excited to wake up for in the morning. Um, If you're dragging yourself out of bed, you're probably not doing the right thing. And then the rest is like optimize for happiness, not money. That's it. Find Henry on Twitter and YouTube at Henry Belcaster. That's Henry Belcaster. B-E-L-C-A-S-T-E-R. His content is amazing. I highly recommend it. Thank you for listening to People Explained. New episodes come out every Monday. We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend.